well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I'm glad that you've joined us on the program today. Coming up in a matter of moments, we're going to talk with Dennis Santiago, uh, writer. Uh, you've seen his stuff at Red State, DennisSantiago.com, uh, a longtime Second Amendment activist and someone with a specialty in sort of the, 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 the financial side of things, which is fantastic because we're going to be talking about a proposed rule uh, the public comment period is underway right now. This is, you know, we've been talking a lot about like the, the pistol brace issue with the ATF, the tens of thousands of comments that the ATF received. And then we're, we're going we're to take that uh, proposed guidance and set it aside over there for a little while. We've got another proposed rule, this time coming from the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, uh, which is an office that you may not have even known existed, uh, but it does. And the uh, rule that has been proposed by the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency would have a significant impact uh, on the firearms industry and on individual gun owners as as well. Uh, it's sort of a trickle-down effect. So uh, Dennis joined us to talk about this. The public comment period continues through next Monday. Uh, we'll provide you links on how to sign up and comment on your own, but it would be fantastic uh, if you could raise your voice uh, in defense of our right to keep and bear arms by submitting your comment on this proposed rule change that would be good news for the gun industry. Take a look and a listen. Dennis, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the program. It's good talking with you today. Oh, how you doing, Cam? It's good to see you. And uh, after uh, being locked down for an entire year, it's it's good to get out, even if virtually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, I'm, I, and 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 good for you, by the way, for not. You know, I've got a big TV screen behind me here, uh, so I'm not really outside. But uh, good for you for you know being honest, keeping it real. You got the green screen. No, you're not trying to pretend you're in a forest somewhere or in a field. So good for you. I hope that uh, you are able to get out and experience more of life in 2021. I hope we all are, quite frankly. Uh, but I'll tell you what. I also hope. That this proposed rule that we've got now in front of the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency uh, is adopted here in the early days of 2021, because this would be hugely beneficial uh, to the firearms industry and ultimately gun owners themselves. Uh, yeah, it, it not just uh, the firearms industry, but what I call all the syndustries, all the, all of, I mean, this, this goes beyond uh, the, the gun thing in that uh, you'll find the oil exploration industry, the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the private prison industry. I mean, all the things that people don't like have systematically been discriminated against by the banking system for several years now. And it, it kind of started, you know, when, when, when Donald Trump got elected and uh, and at the same time, the federal government, uh, the banking regulators basically said enough with this operation choke point stuff, which was primarily in, in, impacting the firearms industry at the time. And what happened was the bankers privatized it and started doing it to try to carry it on for um, you know private reasons, um, stemming everything from board director, directors of the board, executives, uh, people, activists within their uh, sustainability groups, you know, even individual branch managers, whatever. And they carried on this policy that the that the federal government told them you can't do because it's illegal and immoral. And 
it's been allowed to fester for several years now. And finally, after uh, many egregious events, including things that have been documented well throughout many industries in the news uh, over the past four years, the feds have kindly acted. And basically they're saying is, is the, the, the message of this fairness, fair access to financial services rule, which is what the, uh, the thing is called at the, at the OCC, is they're saying like, we told you Operation Choke Point was off back in 2017, and we mean it. And really, it, I think it's, it, it's very important that the OCC in particular enforce that with banks and get it to the point that they start to, to uh, put the, uh, the squeeze on the bankers, on, on the infrastructure, you know, on the boards of directors, on the people, uh, that, that work inside the bank, that um, you can't do that because ultimately it, you know, for us, it hurts, it hurts us as gun owners. It hurts the gun industry because, you know, they can't, they can't process credit cards. They can't, uh, their checking accounts are being closed. Um, they're, uh, they can't get letters of credit to go buy inventory, mm-hmm. you know, all the kinds of things that are part of a, of a healthy economic uh, engine. And they're being denied that. And if you, if you, but but it goes beyond that because what you're really doing when you do stuff like that and the bankers are wrong to do it is you are clipping or, 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 or hamstringing or in, in, in actual fact, sabotaging portions of a healthy U.S. economy and making it so that that economy is unable to compete on the world marketplace. And that's just basically bad for the United States. Absolutely. And, 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 and I want to make it clear, I mean, this rule change doesn't tell banks, look, you have to lend money to, to anybody in the gun industry that asks for a loan. It's just that they can't, I mean, if they look at a company and say, well, look, you know, you're, you're really overextended. Uh, we think you're a, a big risk in terms of, you know, your financial liquidity. We don't feel comfortable issuing you a loan. That's one thing. But to say, we don't like the industry that you're involved in. Uh, and we've decided that we're not going to do any business with the firearms industry or with the oil and gas industry or with, uh, you know, a strip club or a, a payday lender. That is when uh, that, that, that that's when this rule would kick in. Right. Oh, so yeah. if there's a financial risk, if there are financial considerations, the bank can still say, now nah, we're going to pass. But they can't use political ideology. Uh, or as you say, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the idea that, well, this is a syndustry and, you know, we've got people who are trying to cancel these uh, 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 companies. Th- those types of considerations can't come into play. That's correct. And, 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 and which is really, you know, what fair access means. Um, so, I mean, I, I've talked to a few companies that have had this happen to them. And, and the pattern is nefarious is, is the, the best word I can think to describe it because basically they don't write anything down. You know, like you can kind of tell it's shifty when your banker calls up and says, well, you know, you don't fit our business model anymore. You know, like, well, what the heck does that mean? You know, and, and, and these companies that I've talked to, I mean, none of them want to be named, by the way. I mean, you know, they've all said, I, I got to talk to you off the record because mm-hmm. my lawyer basically says, uh, you know, we, we don't want to compromise the relationship with the bank that we did wind up with that is still doing business with us. And uh, because we don't want to put them into position of the cancel culture of the viral uh, storms of the Internet coming to them and and 
you know, starting to focus on them because that's how this, but par partially that's how the, the, the pressure on this works. So they say, you know, so the bank manager will call up and they'll kind of like say, well, you know, I, 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 but they won't write anything down. I, I we, we can't, it doesn't fit. We, you know, we, we need to cancel your accounts. We're going to give you 30 days at the end of 30 days. We're going to, we're, we're basically going to, um, uh, figure out, you know, whatever fees you still owe on your accounts, we'll subtract those. And we're going to send you a certified check in the mail, you know, and goodbye. Right. You know, so the only documentation that they ever get is the letter that basically says on this date, the, this is what's going to happen, but there's no reason for it. And the problem with that is all of that undocumented discrimination, which is really what it is, is um, uh, it's it's illegal to be doing stuff like that. And um, but there's been no way to actually enforce that. And, and that's where this rule comes in, because one of the cool things about uh, banking regulations is that it's it's done under the Banking Act. And um, unlike things like securities regulations or, 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 or law, uh, other criminal law or stuff like that, Banking Act uh, 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 rulings, rulings under the Banking Act have the full force of law upon notification by the bank regulator. There's no going to court. There's no uh, whatever. They basically go, you're in violation. You're going to fix it. And also, if they want to write at that, you're going to take the people that were responsible for it, and we're going to write enforcement actions. And the most common enforcement action for somebody caught doing something egregious like that in the banking industry is you are barred from ever being in the bank industry again. You're fired. You're gone. You can't come back. And that kind of power is Im is imbued into or through uh, agencies like the OCC. And I think they ought to use it because... You know, like I said, this stuff is hurting the United States economy and ultimately it's impacting all in the case of, of the gun part of it. It's impacting all the way down to the Bill of Rights. And um, so there's a lot at stake in, in this fairness access ruling. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So next Monday, January 4th, that is when the public comment period ends. I believe you have until midnight uh, on Monday to submit your comments. We'll uh, we'll, we'll show you the link in the video window below uh, and on bearingarms.com where folks can go and submit their comment. I checked this morning, Dennis. I don't know if this is entirely up to date, but uh, I think there are around 2,800 comments uh, that have been submitted so far, right? Which is which is good. I mean, like, you look at the staggering number of comments submitted for, like, the, uh, the pistol brace issue to the ATF, and I think in that case, we had, you know, nearly 70,000 uh, comments before the ATF said, all right, hang on, hang on. We're going to we're going to withdraw this, uh, the, this the, your proposed guidance here. We haven't seen those numbers yet, but, um, you know, 2,800 comments is that that's quite a bit for a rule change coming from the office of the Comptroller of the currency. Uh, I would guess there might only be 2,800 people in America who've ever heard of that office to begin with, Dennis. Uh, so, you know, this is a, a pretty good response. We're going to let folks know. Uh, how they can chime in and submit their comments as well. Uh, but let's make sure that our voices are heard here. And hopefully, do you have a feeling one way or the other about how this is going to go? Because, you know, I know a lot of folks are saying, all right, well, uh, you know, if, if, if Biden comes in in just a few weeks anyway, can't he just turn around and, and change this? But that's not actually the case, right? I mean, no. the, the, the head of the office of the Comptroller of the Currency, he's not leaving, even if uh, uh, Biden is sworn in. 
Uh, well, I mean, you know, he could leave if, if well, if yes, but but the, the the fact of the matter is these are matters of regulatory law and 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 regulatory responsibility. The OCC actually has to do this because the the uh, fair fairness and and uh, to to access to the financial system one is it, it's in the interest of the country and two it, it's actually part of the Dodd Frank Act regulations that came after the 2008 crisis so you know the, the, and it just it's basically just good regulatory practice for this kind of stuff to be followed up on and by the way you know like 2800 uh comments on an occ ruling it typically you know I've, and i've done these kinds of comment letters for years typically you know if you've got like 50 comments on one of these rules that's a lot okay so, yeah. So the the fact that people are coming in and they're coming in from both sides, um, you know, and, and I think I think I, I cannot overemphasize how important it is that the gun community get in there and make their comments heard because there are anti-gun robots that are basically spreading click this and um, and and the little automated messages show up. I've, I've looked at those those comments as they've been recorded so far mm -hmm. and robotic comments from the anti-gunners and real people comments from the pro gunners and i think that in and of itself is, is speaks a lot and and quite honestly it's the gun faction that is going to carry this rule through because i've also looked through those comments there are very few from the other industries they there may be one maybe two you know i saw maybe a couple from the oil guys mm -hmm. but for the most part this is really a second amendment issue coming to bear and and it's think of it this way, man, the, the, the Second Amendment calls to the American economy in a very special way with this ruling. It's, we are the ones that are going to save fairness for all industries. And it's because of, uh, of, of, of the power of that second thing in the Bill of Rights. And I mean, it's kind of cool, really, when you see it in action, because, you know, that's it's. it's those things work in mysterious ways, and, <laughs> and, and really, when you really look at it, we here here we are, um, you know, protecting you know oil exploration in Alaska. While we're also standing up for our right to keep and bear arms, absolutely, yeah, yeah, exactly, and you know, and that's just kind of a cool thing of the way the Constitution was designed to to work. Yep, there you go. Dennis Santiago, well, you can find him uh, at DennisSantiago.com, also at RedState.com. Thank you, my friend, for coming on the program. I hope that you have a very happy new year, and I know we'll be talking again soon in 2021. Sounds good, my friend, and I, I hope to do this in person in 2021. Fingers crossed. We'll figure out a way and a place. Dennis Santiago with us here on Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Appreciate Dennis joining us on the program, and we'll be checking in with him uh, probably early in the new year. After the public comment period's over, we'll have uh, Dennis back on. We'll talk about what comes next, when we might actually learn about whether or not this rule is going to be adopted. Uh, in the meantime, let's get to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, as well as our recidivist report. We'll start there, and I want to thank Gary uh, for sending along this story. I hadn't seen it here, but uh, here's the headline. St. Paul man faces manslaughter charge in two-year-old's shooting death. I mean, this story is tragic enough, but as it turns out, this guy, well-known to police, probably should have been out on the streets, 
Probably should have been behind bars. Earl Williams now faces second-degree manslaughter, as well as two counts of possessing a firearm as a convicted felon in connection to the uh, shooting back on December 23rd. According to police, the two-year-old victim struck by a bullet in the early afternoon last Wednesday at an apartment uh, in the 800 block of Rice Street uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota. Police say 911 call asked for help around 1.15 in the afternoon, uh, saying only that the boy had, quote, hurt his head. Uh, Earl Williams, 39 years old, turned himself in on Christmas night. He has since been charged. Bail has been set at $250,000. According to the criminal complaint, Williams called the victim's mom shortly after the incident and said that he had left a gun in the bathroom. He said the boy, quote, got to it and had shot himself in the head. Williams then left the apartment after telling the victim's sister to call 911. Three of the victim's siblings in the apartment at the time of the shooting. Uh, According to KCCO TV in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Williams has five prior felony convictions to his name. Five. Receiving stolen property, attempted armed robbery with a gun, aggravated sexual assault, as well as manufacturing and delivering controlled substances. No word on what, if any, prison time he received for any of those felony convictions. But uh, now he is facing several more years behind bars. His next court appearance scheduled for February 18th. Today's Armed Citizen story of the day from Port Arthur, Texas, where an armed dad defended his family from a trio of home invaders. This happened uh, late Sunday night, about uh, 8.30 in the evening. Apparently, uh, mom had just gotten home, and that's when three home invaders followed her in, forcing their way into the home uh, as she arrived. Police say that the uh, 29-year-old dad armed himself with a rifle, fired several shots, hitting a 27-year-old suspect and killing him. Two other suspects then turned and ran from the home. Uh, They have not been taken into custody. Nobody else was injured, thankfully. So because this dad had access to his rifle, he was uh, able not only to protect himself, but his wife and kids as well. Uh, One home invader lost his life. Two others still on the run. We'll give you more updates as they become available. And finally today, our good deed of the day from Georgetown, Texas, where the Georgetown Police Department saved an elderly couple's Christmas after a car accident. That sucks, by the way, to have a uh, car accident right on Christmas. According to Georgetown PD, Officer Greg Moravchik responded to an accident that involved an elderly couple on uh, Interstate 75 back on December 26th. Couples from Michigan, they were visiting relatives in the area. Uh, Thankfully, they weren't injured in the wreck, but their vehicle was unable to, to, it wasn't drivable. Um, Car had gifts full of family members. So Officer Moravchik, along with uh, Georgetown 911 dispatchers, able to locate a rental car agency uh, at a a nearby airport. He actually drove the couple to that airport, but when they got there, the rental car agency said, yes, sorry, Uh, already rented the car out. Okay. So Officer Moravchik then able to book a dog-friendly hotel for the couple to accommodate their pet through assistance from his sons who work for the Lexington Police Department. He then dropped the couple off at the uh, hotel. According to the Georgetown PD Facebook post, all of the gifts and the belongings in the accident were still in the wrecked car, which was now at the uh, the tow yard. So Officer Moravchik, along with Sergeant Mark Gardner and Dispatcher Michelle Murphy, made arrangements to retrieve the couple's items. Uh, after Murphy's shift ended, Moravchik met her at the towing service there in Georgetown. They got the couple's gifts and belongings. They then delivered and carried up all of the items to the couple's hotel room in her own vehicle. 
Georgetown PD's Facebook page says these are, quote, wonderful and kind first responders that we have in Georgetown. Thanks to all involved for taking the time to go the extra mile for this couple. Absolutely. Starting again with uh, Officer Greg Moravchik, continuing on uh, with, uh, you know, the dispatcher there, uh, Michelle Murphy, Sergeant Mark Gardner, uh, all of those folks going out of their way to uh, help out that couple out of town, stranded without their ride. So in the right place, at the right time, and willing and able to do the right thing, we thank all of you from the uh, Georgetown Police Department for your very good deeds. That is going to do it for this edition of Buried Arms, Cam and Company. But we'll be back tomorrow. I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about yet. Maybe some sort of year-in-review thing. That seems like the thing to do on this uh, week as we head into New Year's Eve, right? We should probably look back on the big stories of 2020, which will start with gun sales, but uh, won't end with gun sales. I might throw you a curveball. Who knows? We might have a guest on talking about something else. But for now, anyway, I'd say there's 75% chance we're going to do a year-in-review. Hope that you have a great rest of your Tuesday. Thank you for being a part of the program today. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube, Bearing Arms Cam and Company on Rumble. Uh, and I'm I'm noting the new subscribers each and every day on Rumble.com. So thank you very much. Uh, also, uh, Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. No shortage of places for you to find us. And thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe and be free.